You're listening to audio from Redwood Baptist Church. If you need any more information about us, go to www.weareredwood.org. We pray that the message that you're about to listen to will strengthen you, encourage you, and make you more like Jesus. Blessings. All right, take your Bibles, please. Turn to Proverbs chapter number four. We're going to turn quite a bit this morning. Proverbs chapter number four. And I've entitled really the, this is the, I think this is the end of our series. Is it okay if I do that? Because you just, you just never know how, how a Monday, Tuesday, you know, Wednesday will go. But I think this will be the uh, conclusion of our series on the conscience. And uh, I have, we entitled the series Fighting for Purity in an Impure World. And I don't know if the last um, lesson or two are up online yet, but predominantly most of them are. If you would like to uh, catch up and you haven't been able to do so, uh, you can do that. But I've entitled our potential last lesson uh, would be Watching Over Your Inner Man. Watching Over Your Inner Man. We've, we've done a long study on our conscience and all of the, the inner workings of that. And uh, several weeks ago, we kind of started the, the idea of fighting the sin that can so wreck our consciences. And uh, if you remember from several weeks ago, conscience, your conscience in and of itself is not... Um, is, it's not enough for you to live in a godly fashion because your conscience gets shaped by what you believe, by what you allow into your life. And so that's why we need to make sure that our conscience was, was pliable, that it was soft, that, uh, that, that you can sharpen it by the Word of God. We've talked about how it needs to be at the highest standard, uh, which is the Word of God. And uh, that's why you can look out into our society that has dismissed the Word of God, has dismissed things of just even concepts of God, and they can, with a straight face, and they can say, God's okay with me doing, and then you can fill in the blank of whatever you could go to Scripture and say, no, wait a minute. But it's because their conscience isn't shapened or sharpened to the actual Word of God. And then we talked about how do we strengthen our conscience back and forth, and then we're slaying our sin that hinders that work. And so kind of the overarching idea for us here this morning would be kind of watching over the inner man. A good cleaning, a fresh paint job, and some gardening can make a great difference to the outward appearance of your living space. But if a house is rotting from the inside, if it's infested with rats and vermin of all kinds and filled with garbage and filth, all the work on the outside doesn't, it's just, it's just a wasted effort. And so obviously the same principles would hold true to your spiritual life. Now it's, it's relatively easy, or it's, it's, it, it seems easy to sometimes fix the outside, 
to fix the, st- the stuff that people see. And so often you'll have, you'll have churches and you'll have courses that, that, that so often will fixate on the outside to look a certain way and to have a haircut a certain way and the length of the character. All, and so, and it's, can I say this? It's almost easier to do that than it is to work on the inner man. To work on what, if you'll allow this to change, it actually flows out uh, into the exterior. But so the, you know, the deeds of sin or the sins of omission or the unintentional sin, it seems like it's easier to kind of confess and forsake those deeds. But the sin of our thought life, the soul coloring type of sins, the character damaging sins, those seem to be difficult because they, they work so directly against the conscience. They work so directly against the will. Dealing with them honestly and thoroughly is one of the most difficult aspects of mortifying our sins. And I will stand before you and say that is true. It's harder to watch over your inner man than it is what everybody else sees. And so if we ever want to see real progress... In sanctification, If we ever want to see real progress in a strong, vital conscience that is a great witness to the world. Remember those texts we looked at? How Paul's like, man, that his conscience was a, was a great witness to the world. Then this is an area where we must attack and destroy regularly. Look at verse number 23 of Proverbs 4. And again, I'm going to have you turn quite a bit this morning. It says, keep your heart or keep thy heart, guard, protect your heart with all diligence, with all awareness, with all, you just, you, you, you're, you're really, really, really going to work at this inner man. Why? For out of it, out of what? That inner man, your heart, your thought life. Remember how they're, they're often synonyms, your heart and your mind. It's the, it's, the, it's the will of who you are. It's the emotion. It's the, it's the seat, so to speak, of who you are. For out of it are the issues of life. Or in other words, life flows out of who you are on the inside. Now, you know what I'm thankful? I'm thankful that God knows our hearts. I'm actually thankful for that. The Bible says in Acts 15:8, in God who knoweth the hearts. Turn to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Again, we're going to turn all over. You know I normally like to just go to a text and break it down, but for this study, we move all over. Psalm 139, verse 2, Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising, thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compass my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. Psalm 139, 2 and 3, you could start in verse 1, all the way down through 4. Really, it's the whole, honestly, it's the whole chapter. 
How many of you have ever heard of the illustration that's maybe been used of how mortified we would be if our inner man was played out on the screen for everybody to see? Right? I mean, that's like a, an illustration that's used to guilt you and let that bring about guilt if it needs to be. I don't think that's not how I desire to use it. But, you know, some of us, man, if your last, you know, your last 72 hours, whatever it is, if it was played out, that inner man, the way you think towards people, if that was played out on the screen, what would they see, right? But you know who actually sees that? God does. And, you know, so praise God he sees all the positive but then he also does see he also does see the negative, and he sees he he sees all of those things, and you know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful that even though God sees that, He never leaves us, He never forsakes us. I mean, you and I, we would bounce on people quick if we knew the thoughts that they had towards us. You know, we walk into a room and they're thinking something like, oh, "I'm never walking in that room again," you know, but. I'm thankful that God doesn't do that. I'm thankful that God knew every single thought you were ever going to have, every single sin of omission, commission, whatever, and he still sent Jesus. And Jesus still lived a, a righteous, perfect record for you, and that gets imputed upon you in your salvation in the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for that. But can I ask, why would we try to hide that? Because it goes back to last week, of where we don't have a proper understanding of who God is and how God views the believer, how God views the Christian. Now listen, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, God's angry with the wicked every day. God's angry at that sin. And so that we, sometimes we, 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 we feel free to indulge in gross sins of our imaginations because no one else might see that. The psalmist said in Psalm 44, verse 21, Shout not God search this out, for he knoweth the secrets of the heart. Jesus told the Pharisees, and he said to them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. You're saying to the Pharisees, hey, what, what you're doing on the outside for men it actually becomes an abomination unto God when we're doing it for man rather than for God. Okay, so something to think about. So it's not what we do in the sight of God. Uh, excuse me, it's, it's the things that we do in the sight of God, and we've already said this last week, it's more important than what we do in what in, in the sight of others, excuse me. So the thoughts of our heart are the real litmus test of our character. Turn to Proverbs 23, please. Proverbs 23. Now praise God for Jesus. Thankful for that. But your everyday character down here on this world, there's, there's that sanctification. I was talking to someone this week about, about sanctification and how there really is, we, we talk about like this positional sanctification and practical sanctification. Really what it is, is in Christ, praise God, you are sanctified. And then what you do is you spend your life catching up to what God has declared you to be. But your character and the way that you act upon this earth can be something other than 
the Holy Spirit of God that is within you, the Holy Spirit. You can live, you can live apart from it. You, you can live differently than that. And so if you and I, we, we, we want to know what our character really is, well, what is our thought life like? Proverbs 23, verse 7, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. So as he thinks in his heart, so is he. And so the real, the real you, we know the inner man, John Van Gelderen spoke so beautifully, you know, is, is Christ in you. Are you tapping into that? Or is our character tainted with the sins in which we are pondering? Uh, Proverbs 6 talks about a like a naughty person or a wicked person. They're, they're, they have a forwardness in their hearts. It says that they... Deceit or deviseth mischief continually. Where do you where do you devise things? You think about mischief continually. No one may see it, but it's being thought about. It's being pondered. And if you remember last week, oftentimes people think about things in a worse fashion than they would actually perform in real life. Because if it was seen in real life, it would maybe be viewed as, ooh. So, but in their mind, man, they can go deep, dark, nasty places. Okay? And so, turn to Proverbs 27 real quick. Proverbs 27. I don't like this verse. Are there any verses in the Bible you don't like? I don't like this one. Because it's convicting. I don't mean that in I, I mean that in jest. But I don't because I really don't like it. I'm just kidding. Look at verse number 19. Proverbs 27, verse number 19. As in water, face answereth to face. What in the world does that mean? You know, have you ever like looked into water and you're trying to see your reflection? Right? Look at the next part. So the heart of man to man. Guarding this, this inner man. Guarding what is the issues of life. It's important. So what's going on up here is important. Like last week we talked about how you and I, we've got to renew our mind. And why? Because old things are passed away. Yes, behold, all things are become new. Praise God for all of that. And you've been set on the proper path to this. This is what God has declared you. And so you are sanctified. And so you're going to kind of catch up to what God has declared you. But you have a whole remembrance of all of your past. You have a whole remembrance of you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were on the, on the path of Satan. Ephesians 2 tells us. And so, but God, who is great in love and wherewith he's loved us and mercy, you know, he, he changed that. Praise God. You were on the broad way. Now you're on the narrow way. Now you're no longer on to destruction. Now you're on to the path of life. And we praise God for that. But you and I, we've got we to renew this mind. We've got to renew our hearts. We've got to allow those things to transform us into what God has already declared us to be. And so external behavior, you ready? It's not an accurate gauge of your character. Is that okay? 
oh, man, we focus a lot sometimes on the external. The thoughts of your heart reveal the truth. So only your conscience in God can assess the real truth about you. And that's why you and I, we shouldn't spend our days judging other people all the time. Because you know what? We really can't, we really can't access it. Because if I was the judge, and oh, aren't you glad that I'm not? Praise the Lord. Because I'm not as compassionate as God. But if I was the judge, I look on the outside and Lucretia, oh, everything's great. You look very nice today, by the way. She doesn't like when I do this and draw attention to her. It's okay. You can forgive me later. <laughs> but let's go over to Sonia or whatever the case is. Great. But I don't know what's on the inside. I don't know what's on the inside. I don't know what we've been thinking about all morning. You don't know what I've been thinking about all morning. I want you to actually be thinking about what I'm thinking about all morning. Someone care for my soul as I would care for your soul. But the reality is, is that you and I really don't know. So if we're only basing it off of an exterior, then guess what? We can check all kinds of boxes. But I love you enough to say, hey, no, no, let's get to the heart of the matter. The inner, the inner man. And that's why it's really not comparing ourselves with ourselves. What did Paul say? That's unwise. Why? Because all you're seeing is most likely people's bests. We tend to put on our bests in front of people. Now listen, Redwood, we desire to be a place where we can come and you don't have to do that. You don't have to put on a facade. You can be real and you'll be loved and accepted and those different types of things and challenged in areas where you might need to grow. And so your conscience is going to tell you about the real you. But do you have a healthy conscience? That's what this whole series has been about. Your conscience, man, could be like, you're good, Ryan, you're good. But if the standard is here and my conscience is in here, I'm fooling myself. I'm fooling myself. Because your conscience can be like, A-OK, Ryan. And so we got to kind of, I'm reviewing, I get it. Got to make sure that it's to the standard of the Word of God. And so it's your conscience, your inner man, so to speak, if you kind of allow me to connect it to that, and God that can access the real truth about you. Turn to Job chapter 20. Let's take a little journey through Job. Job had some, he had some comforters. <laughs> he had some friends that wanted to be a comfort to him. And they weren't so comforting, were they? But they have falsely accused him of, man, having an impure thought life. Let's just kind of, let's kind of take a walk here through Job. He had some interesting friends. They were sure that they understood Job's real problem. I mean, they knew it. Have you ever thought you knew someone else's problem? Oh, that's a dangerous place to be. But we've all been there at times when we judge others and we think, man, if you just get this right, you'd be good. Look what it says in Job 20, verse number 12. This is his particular friend, Zophar. It says, Though wickedness be sweet in his mouth, though he hide it under his tongue... Though he spare it and forsake it not, but keep it still within his mouth. What? All right, let me ask you a question. How many of you can take a, a mint or something like that and you can keep it in your mouth until it's gone without chewing it? Any of you awesome people in here can do that? A few of you, I envy you. I have like a pocket full of mints because I can't do that. I don't, actually let, I don't actually let it do its job. 
right? So I'm a chewer. You know, remember that old school commercial, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a lollipop? You remember that? <laughs> That's me, okay? So I look at this verse, this accusation of Job, and it's like, you know what he's kind of, let me just depict it. It's kind of like a mint, or it's kind of like a piece of candy, and you're able to get all the way down to the center of it. I just chew the, I chew the thing apart. But those of you that can, then you can really resonate with this. You just you roll that around in your mouth. You put it under your tongue. You're savoring it. You're enjoying the, you know, the piece of candy or the mint or whatever the case is. You are able to, to really, 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 really enjoy that. And so what Job's friends are saying here is he's saying that, you know what Job likes to do? Job likes to take that, just that dirty thought. Man, he likes to just... Just think about it. He likes to continue just to mull over it, and he likes the sweetness of it on his tongue, and he's just really, 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 really enjoying it. Now, that's the accusation of Job. Now, he's going to counteract that and say that that's not the case, but that's the accusation. But let's just be transparent. Aren't there times where we do that with sinful thoughts in our mind? And guess what? Most times people don't even know it. Because it's not seen. But who sees it? God sees it. Right? But that's the accusation here. It's an evil thinker that's just enjoying the imagery of those sins. And that's kind of the accusation. But they, they misjudged Job. Turn to Job 31. Job had carefully guarded himself against these these wicked and kind of lustful thoughts. Now, why are these friends giving him all of this comfort? Because Job had lost everything. God had allowed Satan to tempt Job. And if you read the text, I was in a conversation with someone this week, and we were talking about how just... It, was, it says, while he was speaking, while yet he was speaking over and over again. I mean, just the bad news came, the bad news came, the bad news came. And so everything you see at the beginning of Job, it just happened like boom, 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 lost everything for, for the most part. And so now they're like, hey, let me give you some comfort. Let me tell you why all this happened. It's because you have a wicked, dirty thought life. It's basically one of the accusations here. Look what it says in verse number one of Job 31. I made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? See, he knew that God was the audience of everything. Look down to verse number four. Doth not he see my ways and count all my steps? If I have walked with vanity or if my foot hath hasted to deceit, let me be weighed in an even balance that God may know my iniquity. See, Job, Job denied that his heart had followed his eyes. Look at verse number 7. If my steps hath, retur- hath turned out of the way, and mine heart walked after mine eyes. Notice what he's saying here. He's like, hey, I saw it, started thinking about it, and then my life just started to go in that direction. And if any blot hath cleaved to mine hands. He denied that this had happened. He denied that, 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 that he had had these illicit fantasies for another woman. Look at verse number 9. If mine heart have deceived or ha, have been deceived by a woman, or if I have laid wait at my neighbor's door. 
Verse number 11, for this is an heinous crime. Yea, it is iniquity to be punished by the judges. And so he's saying, hey, if I, if I was doing all of this, and then he kind of goes on, you can continue to read the chapter, but he's saying, if I would have hid all this on the inside, which no one really can see our thoughts, no one can know our hearts. He's like, if I would have hid all these transgressions, kind of, um, I would have been like trying to hide one of Adam's sins. Look at verse 33. If I covered my transgressions as Adam, do you remember how Adam tried to cover it? Boy, that worked. Remember? Right? Genesis 3. Oh, uh-oh, my eyes are open. I know, I, I know the, 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 the shame of this now. Right? I'm, I'm, we're naked. Let's go sew some fig leaves together. I'm trying to hide it. It's, it's funny. It's, we laugh at it. We do the same thing. It just doesn't look like fig leaves. Often for us, it looks like good works. It looks like church attendance. By the way, I'm glad you're here. Don't take that wrong. But it looks like those types of things. Hey, 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 hey. Look, look. Nothing wrong. Where? And the end man... But he's saying, if I cover my transgressions as Adam by hiding mine iniquity in my bosom, or in other words, in the, in the inner man. So the very thought appalled Job that he would be comforted this way. Clearly Job was well aware of the danger of sinful thoughts. He had consciously and deliberately put a safeguard in his heart to avoid any such sin. Turn to Job chapter 1, back to the beginning. Job was so conscious of this that he, that he offered, offered sacrifices unto the Lord for the potential evil thought life of his children. Look at verse number 5 of Job number one, Job chapter 1. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sacrificed them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, If... It may be that my sons have sinned. So it's a hypothetical here. It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. In other words, he was even offering for the potential thought life of his kiddos. God, please, you know, please don't judge him for that. Now, praise God, we live in the New Testament era. But you, you, but, but you see here, Job... Job had an understanding. He was careful about safeguarding his thought life. Is there any reason? Is this a potential reason? I'm not God, and I won't even try to be him. But is it potentially a reason why God said, yeah, okay, Satan, you can go ahead and go after him? Because he knew his heart? Because he knew this man? I mean, God describes him in verse 8. It's an amazing description. Look at verse number 8 real quick. The Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? Great description. So Job understood what the Pharisees stubbornly refused to see, that just because you do not act out an evil deed, that does not excuse the secret desire. So a lustful sexual thought in and of itself is sin. Greed alone is wicked. Covetousness, anger, pride, 
concupiscence, envy, discontent, hatred, and all evil thoughts are just as bad as the behavior they produce. Aren't we glad we came to church today? This is why the stakes are so high, my friends. This is why God in His grace has given you a conscience and in His grace have given you His Word and in His grace has given you the greatest gift of all, the Holy Spirit within you to guide you and to direct you and to illuminate all truth so that when you and I look into Scripture and you can, you can he, he, he tells you what it means. Man, if I could encourage you, just start in Genesis and read to Revelation. It's like, oh, I don't understand it. Start in Genesis again and read to Revelation. And you just keep doing that. Over time, things will begin to be illuminated, is what the Holy Spirit does in your life and in my life. Why? Because the stakes are very high. Because you and I were left here to be witnesses. Or why else would we be left here? Just whoop, just take you out. But no, you and I have a purpose. And our purpose is to bring glory to God. And there's a myriad of ways of doing that. And uh, one of them would be for uh, uh, to be a witness with your conscience. So to treasure thoughts in the heart and to relish the thoughts, it e- e- would be e- evilness, kind of that list I just gave, um, is it's especially grievous because it adds hypocrisy to the original evil thought. And it's because we try to clean up the outside even though the inside is nasty. All right? So you and I, we've got to... Ah, 1047. You and I, we've got to discipline. We, we've got to be willing to discipline ourselves with this. We've, been, we've kind of been going through this. Do you realize that the difference between a sincere... Spirit-controlled, devoted, godly, obedient Christian and a defeated, weak, struggling Christian is what takes place in their mind. They could be attending the same church. They could be active in the exact same ministries and externally doing the same thing. But one is defeated and the other lives a spiritually fruitful life. The difference, my friends, is the inner man. The difference is, is they've allowed the inner man, and there's a lot of ways that that can be defined, but for the sake of our study on the conscience, that that, that inner man, that that, that thought process, the the thoughts of the heart to be renewed uh, day by day, to allow yourself to change from the inside out. And they could be coming to the same place. They could be hearing the same thing. They could have been in, this is the 10th time I've spoken on the subject, they could have heard all of the same things, and yet one has great victory and one doesn't. And it has to do with this, this, the, 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 this inner man, the, the, the thought life. So one day the difference we know will be, will, will be uh, manifest Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness. Jesus said something similar. For nothing is secret. There shall not be made, that shall not be made manifest. So turn to James chapter 1, please. James chapter number 1. James 1. A few more, a few more texts, and then we're going to finish up. 
James chapter 1. I'm going to skip some things here. I think I've hopefully driven home the, the point here. Verse 23. God's given you the mirror of his word. And I urge you to look deeply into it. It says, For any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. And so that is the perfect law of liberty. It's the word of God that you are looking into. And we know that the word of God is it's quick, it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It gets to the inner man. It gets to the heart. It gets, it gets to the thoughts. And so you and I, hey, hey, let's get in the Word. Let's get in the Word. Um, Jeremiah's counsel to Israel would be the same counsel that he would give to us. O oh, 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 Israel, wash thine heart from wickedness. Wash thine heart from wickedness. Okay, one last place here. Okay, Philippians 4. Let's go to Philippians 4 real quick. Got a couple more last one. I, man, I'm lying. I'm saying last, and there's still more lasts. Philippians 4. So refuse to entertain the thoughts. Purpose to abandon the wrong thoughts and replace them with good thoughts. Build in new righteous habits, right? We've talked about that. Uh, consciously direct your mind to fix itself on pure things. Reprogram your mind. Renewing of your mind. Transforming. This is what we've talked about in Romans 12. But look what it says in verse number 8 of Philippians 4. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Ryan, that's so hard in our world. I get it. Look at verse number 9. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. So Paul's not saying, hey, look, I'm the hero. But he's like, look, you have seen that this is possible. Man, I, this will be the last one, I promise. Psalm 119. You don't know, I don't normally do that. Just lie to you all Sunday morning like this. Psalm 119. Let me give you what I would consider kind of the capstone for this whole study. And it would be this. If you are writing anything down, write this down. Cultivate a love for God and His Word. Cultivate a love for God and His Word. Psalm 119, look at verse number 97. Oh, how I, Psalm 119, verse 97. Oh, how I love thy law. He's talking about the word of God. It is my meditation all the day. Then jump four verses down. You could read down four if you want, but look at verse number 101. I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. Set your affection on things above and not on things on the earth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Again, remember Jesus is talking about more than just your treasure. What do you treasure? What do you value? Cultivate a love for God and his word and you and I will find that we will be able to live purely in an impure world because the stakes 
are extremely high for you and I to live this fashion. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you, and uh, God, I, my heart was full, and uh, Lord, we, we, we went over, but I pray that, God, the time spent looking into Scripture, and Lord, we skipped so many verses, but I believe it was beneficial for us this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would realize that we have in Christ and in the Holy Spirit, armed with the Word of God, everything we need to live in a way, a pure way, in a very impure world. And it has to do with our conscience. May we be bold when it comes to what we need to do with our conscience. May you, may you work in our lives, continued beyond this series. And Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll take about a seven-minute break. You're dismissed.